Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Dave Quinn is an author, an entertainment journalist, and a lifelong Bravo fan since back in the queer eye for the straight guy days. He has covered the housewives for outlets like People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly. In addition to reviewing reality TV, much of Dave's career has been spent writing about the theater, which when combined with the housewives, makes him an expert in drama. We've got Brooklyn in the house and a new book that just dropped, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, is a Bravo commissioned book on the Housewives franchise, chronicled by author Dave Quinn. It's all about how it came to be, the players involved, and lots of behind the scenes tea. I'm so happy to welcome my next guest, Dave Quinn, to my show. Honey, you're in my heart. Hi, Mama. <laughs> Hi, baby. Here, and I have to tell you, even just hearing you say Dave Quinn is an author, like my mind just blows up. I cannot believe it. I'm so thrilled. This is my first book, and it feels like such an incredible accomplishment. It means so much that you're a part of it. Oh, babe, I I did the intro like that for a reason. Dave Quinn is an author, period. Ah. So, And I am so very proud of you and I'm so very happy for you. So let's start from the beginning. I want to talk a little bit about you and how this book came to be and, you know, why now and where you think the franchise is going. Oh my God. So many questions. Okay. so So just start from the beginning, a little bit about Dave Quinn and how this book came to be. Sure. So I've worked uh, the majority of my career as an entertainment journalist covering reality television, covering theater, uh, working here for outlets like NBC New York, Entertainment Weekly, People Magazine. And while I was at People, there was this kind of open in the coverage where there was nobody really owning the housewives beat. And I was a very hungry young reporter and kind of was trying to find my footing in a, a very crowded field, right? When you're at People Magazine, one would imagine there's somebody who really owns the relationship with Brad Pitt, owns the relationship with like various major stars. But I knew that there was an opening in this Bravo world that I love so much. So I basically started clawing my way into that beat and reported for years years just so thoroughly on the housewives and at a certain point really built a great relationship with the network. And they reached out to me and said, if you were to write a book about Bravo, what would you want it to be like? And uh, we sat and had conversations. I submitted a, a sample TOC. We really talked through what we would think it would be. And Andy was pretty adamant that this could be an incredible oral history. And they felt very strong that I could be a perfect person to do that because of all of the uh, experience 
I have had speaking with everyone and the fact that I really approach not only uh, my interviews, but just people in general as openly as I possibly can. I am a bit of a sponge. I'm very interested in hearing about people, learning about them. And I'm very compassionate, almost a little overly a bit of an empath. And I want to understand what you're going through and try and get you to feel as comfortable as you can to tell me your truth. And that's what this book is. It's a book of everybody's feelings. Uh, feelings aren't often facts. Those are different things, but it's yeah everybody really telling the feelings of uh, their experience of going through this, what it was like. It is not all diamonds and rosé. There right. are plenty of experiences, as you know, more than anyone where it's, it's hurtful. And I wanted to be able to show the human side of the reality TV stars. So that's kind of how it all began. And, and here we are now a year later. And so uh, with the book out, and I just can't believe it. It's a thrill. I, I love that that was your description because I mean, I know personally that that's what one of your goals were when this happened. So, so ring the bell. He got the phone call from Bravo and said, Hey, we're thinking about this. And what do you think? And together they came up with this idea, really um, diamonds and Rose. It is a Bravo commission book. So when I read it, when I got it, my first copy, which I have right here, when I got my copy home, I was, because I, you know, I'm not a journalist and, you know, oral history. I didn't really even understand what that exactly meant. But when I got the book, for those of you out there listening, it's basically housewives quoting, you know, Dave would ask us questions and then we would tell our story about what happened. And the way they put the book together is it's almost as though we're all in the room together being interviewed, but we're totally being interviewed separately. So it's very Bravo-esque <laughs> the way they edit us. <laughs> for the most part, right. And I tried to keep, you know, integrity is a big thing for me. I'm not yeah. somebody who lies. I'm not somebody who manipulates. I'm not somebody mm -hmm. ever trying to trick anybody. So I really wanted to tell the story as authentically as I could. So a lot of my interviews, you and I talked for a few hours, they're long and they needed to be cut down, but the, yeah. the, uh, the words are all there of what you said, the, uh, you know, <laughs> I yeah. hope. The, the, <laughs> they are. The, like, if I action. knew you were recording me that much like that, I wouldn't have said fuck so much. <laughs> I was literally in the bubble bath with you. We'll get to that. You sure were. <laughs> I was like, Dave, what the fuck? I mean, what the fuck, <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but I loved it. I wanted it to feel like everybody and who they are. And, you know, yeah. it's it just for me is such a joy when I would talk to you about something, let's say in our interview, and you said something, and then I would talk to somebody else in the scene and they would say something that corresponded with it that was similar that i mean that just like major that head was blow so off. exciting yeah. yeah i was like oh this is gonna be a good part or even because different. now you know it's authentic you know that you're right. getting a third you know there's obviously three sides to every story right what we see what really happened my interpretation your interpretation and then the truth right without yeah. everybody's perspectives all mixed in and i think that you did a good job at trying to capture that and i appreciate that because i do know that you know, you wanted to tell the story from, from the women's perspective. I mean, I know that that was important for you. And I think it was over 185 housewives production people behind the scenes, people leaned into your project. So that is a testament to who you are and the reputation that you've built around the franchise that people would lean into that and be honest and open with you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I never take any of it for granted. 
cannot tell you the amount of care I put into it. And I really think that anybody trusting me, and this not just goes for this book, but any interview I've ever had, you know, the pleasure of having with somebody and then wanting to write a story with them. I really want to do my best to tell the truth of what that, you know, experience was. So I I don't take it at all for granted. No, and you can tell you didn't. I mean, for me, what was so interesting, and I'm I'm sure as a as a fan and someone who's been with the franchise since day one, and me being kind of like an early shift in the franchise, I still consider myself in the earlier days of reality TV, uh, you know, non-scripted television. The shift from the beginning of the book to the end of the book to me is enormous. So for example, for those of you guys listening, my executive vice president was a wonderful lady by the name of Janet O'Connell. And when you read in the, in the book excerpts of Jen O'Connell, who was my executive producer, she's quoted saying, if people desperately wanted to be on the show or fans of the show, it didn't work. Right. That was how production looked at it earlier. I mean, Andy didn't want Rinna on the show or Eileen Davidson because they were so far, they were stars. That was kind of anti-reality celebrity. And Bethany was one of the first because she had appeared on The Apprentice. He was against her. So because they didn't want to break that fourth wall. But by the time you get to the end of the book, that has completely changed. It's gone. Tell us a little bit about that. And and what, you know, as a journalist, as a fan, as the author of this book, the shift, that's what I mean, like where we were and where we we're going. Well, I think that Bravo still is at its best when they cast those women who aren't fans of the show, who aren't right. stars of the show. And when you think right. of the Dorinda Medleys of the world, yeah. who are just like, where is this woman from? Where has she been? Has she just been trolloping around the Upper East Side? <laughs> like, <laughs> who is this? And, and and there's countless examples, Shannon Bedore, Margaret Josephs, uh, just incredible housewives. But yes, there has been a turn to the celebrity, the Denise Richards. Yeah. Um, um, and sometimes it works, I think, really well. Rena is a perfect example. And other times it doesn't. Kim Fields, Tootie from The Facts of Life, was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta for a season. And she just was not really cut out for the reality TV world. The truth is, though, now it's so ingrained into our culture. We know what The Real Housewives of any city feels like, looks like. Yeah. That I think impossible to find somebody who hasn't seen the show and who would i mean who would go on a job interview and say i want to work for this company having never looked at the company known anything about the company so a lot of impossible yeah they they somewhat know i mean i do remember you're like i didn't know anything about the show you you thought it was something totally different but a, a lot of the women now i think when they come on have an understanding of the beats of it and that is sometimes good for them because they know what to anticipate. And I think it's sometimes really detrimental because they are playing it up for the audience or they think that, oh, this is just for my business and they're not necessarily living in the reality um, and they don't really get how it works. So I try to get to as many early housewives as I can. And I say to them very honestly and openly, like, be careful. Uh, Don't believe anything negative anybody says about you. Don't believe anything positive anybody (laughs) says about you. Don't like remember. Don't believe the hype. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to just like be as authentic as you can. 
The other thing that's shifted completely is, you know, this is not, uh, you know, women looking down their noses at each other anymore. This is not about, you know, friendships imploding or divorce even. I mean, this is about cancer fraud and suicide and faking pregnancies and outing a most personal narrative like, you know, surrogacy or bankruptcies, Ponzi schemes, live arrests, tax evasion, assault, assault charges, prison time, cancel culture. You're an expert, right? In, in drama now with your <laughs> theater background, your housewives. Do you know that drama is addicting? Do you think you're addicted? You know, you talk about all these dramatic storylines and yeah. I think there is a lot of, you know, of course it's addicting, it's fun and it's an escape in certain ways. But for me, I can really chart the course of, as a gay man, I could chart the course of society's acceptance towards gay people and reality TV. I think they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and seeing the presence of gay people in the culture and shows, even scripted shows like Will and Grace, of course, but more reality TV. I mean, I grew up every gay person I knew on TV was dying of AIDS. And then that started to shift when you saw gay people living happy lives on TV. So I think it's the exact same thing in a way with this show. I mean, you named all those things and I see those as all examples of stories that I may never have known what it's like to be an abusive relationship, but seeing what happened to Taylor Armstrong. Now I understand. Now I understand what it's like to go through an eating disorder, to go through divorce. And this is a culture that throws women away at a certain age, an industry Hollywood that of a certain age, women, I think, what do they say? You're an old age when you're 35. So not in my book, honey. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, I mean, this is a franchise that has allowed women to kind of flourish. And I, I personally, I don't see it as being addicted to the drama. I'm addicted to like the personal stories. What comes out of it for me aren't the hair pulls and the wine tosses and the table flips. It's these incredible, I mean, you opening up about your son's experience Mm -hmm. with hearing has changed every parent out there who watched, whoever has had to deal with that now has somebody that they can feel a a touchstone to. And in our interview, you told me every day you hear from people about that. That's That's the power of reality TV. Well, and I love that description. I appreciate you taking it there because, you know, there is obviously good in everything. I just, when I look back at the older days and even in your narrative, in your oral history of it, um, you know, Taylor Armstrong, Bravo, the executives that were there, you know, Andy, things were very different. They handled that with kid gloves. Social media wasn't what it was. Clubhouse didn't exist. We didn't have these secondary chat rooms, you know, talking. There's a culture outside of the housewives that has created jobs for people, industry. It's this whole secondary culture. And, you know, I'll take this, this season, for example, you know, I, in talking about bringing Ebony to the show or whatever I have said, you know, don't invite an elephant trainer over for dinner. If you don't have room for an elephant in your house. Yes. And I do think that as time shifts and things shift, reality television and the responsibility they have as a platform for people has to shift and two sides of the story have to be shown. And I think that when we're talking about things that are culturally sensitive, that are dividing a nation and we're putting it on TV, that we have to handle that with kid gloves like they handle Taylor. I agree. And you know what happens so many times, Heather, is that. I don't think our culture is very good at 
stopping and listening to each other. I think yeah. we're so used to just like uh, monologuing and being so everything is so black and white to so many people, whereas like this world is so gray. And I don't think there could be any growth and any movement if we don't actually speak to each other and learn and give people grace, That's right. and try to understand one another. So it's frustrating as a viewer watching the show and also seeing social media, how divisive they can be about things and how they pull people apart instead of just saying, sit back and wait. And I think producers and the network, again, this is just my perspective as a viewer, have a lot to deal with that yeah. I think they're still learning. I give them just as much grace to figure this out too, because look, things that Kelly Dodd were saying on The Real Housewives of Orange County were really fun and everybody enjoyed when she first came on. When she took that same energy to topics like you know, the coronavirus pandemic, or racism, people had very different opinions about it. And at a certain point, her demeanor stopped being fun for viewers. Should she be canceled? I don't think that that's necessarily true. I don't think anyone should be canceled. First of all, I don't yeah. think anyone is canceled. I think that you know we have to hold people accountable to the words that they say, but we also have to allow there to be growth. So yeah, I, I think that they're all doing the best that they can to figure it out. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you're among them, know you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is here to help us. And I love it because it's physician formulated to be 100% drug free. They use medical grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages that support healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, better skin, nails, and libido. They have two targeted formulas that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding, no matter your stage in life. Nutrafol Woman is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, and environmental toxins, while Women's Balance is formulated with an additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and that's what I'm doing. Go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code in my heart to save $15 off your first month subscription, plus free shipping on every order and automatic monthly delivery so you never miss a dose. Go to Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and use the code in my heart. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers and for a limited time. So get after it. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays when you can save big on a gift they'll use every day right now. Raycon wireless earbuds have Bluetooth pairing that is seamless and the sound quality is great. They have a noise isolating fit that's perfect for yard work and they sit in my ears so comfortably and stay in place even on a trail run. And Raycon offers eight hours of playtime. And with a built-in mic, I can take calls at the press of a button. 
With Raycon, you get what you get from other premium brands, except they start at half the price. So let's get this holiday season popping when the getting is good and get them something they can use for work or play at home or on the go or pick up a pair for yourself. Just go to buyraycon.com slash in my heart today to unlock the exclusive deals for up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash in my heart and you're going to unlock 20% off your Raycons. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash in my heart. Don't miss this one. Now back to my show. I love that you mentioned being a gay man and watching the housewives, because to me, there was always a big correlation in that. And so I want to talk about that openly because uh, the way a gay man looks at women behaving badly on television versus kind of anybody else is different. Can you share that a little bit and that perspective on how the gay eyeball on the housewives, particularly from a gay male's perspective, really is a phenomenon. <laughs> this is why I was so excited to be here today because I knew you were going to ask me questions that no one has ever asked me before. And I'm so excited. I mean, I love listening to your podcast because of this. I think you're an incredible interviewer and you missed a calling. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing so it, Davey. Doing I'm, I'm in it, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you're in it now because I think that you're so good at this. Um, Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Gay people have been we grow up not necessarily knowing who we are and often having to pretend to be something that we're not for a really long time and and struggle a lot to figure out how we fit into the bigger picture of the world. So gay people are often stunted in their development in a way. We don't have the high school experience often of dating, of figuring mm-hmm. out boys and romance in the way that you know everyone else seems to be able to do. And when you pretend to be someone else for a long time, sometimes it takes you a while to figure out who you are. Yes. And that process can be really painful. Now, there are plenty of people who, you know, know at 14 are supported by their parents. Uh, I think the culture is shifting and it's much more visible, but there's still an amount of shame and there's still an amount of confusion early on. And again, you watch everything in pop culture and you'll just see a lot of boy meets girl or girl meets boy stories and happily ever after and marriage. And you don't necessarily know how to figure that out. So I think because of that, once gay men do understand who they are, there's a bit of wanting to just own every act of that and celebrate all of it, even, you know, the parts of them that they may not love. It's why pride is such an incredible time every single year, because I think gay people feel so free to finally just let it all out. So I think that exact sensibility turns to housewives and to, and to watching women in pop culture and why gay men love women so much is because we relate to the suppression that women have had to deal with in this culture very clearly. And we love celebrating women for them being themselves fully, whether that's being messy or dramatic or crazy, there's, (laughs) you know, whether they're throwing legs or, uh, you know, or having, uh, you know, emotional moments of vulnerability it all feels so fun for us because we are celebrating the fact that they get to do what we know straight men get to do all the time without any sorts of judgment. We want to be able to celebrate them and not judgment them in that way. And I think that for me, it really is why 
gay men love the housewives so much. They're, it's camp. It's fun. It's it's freeing, and it feels relatable to us in a lot of ways. I wish that people weren't like, well, there goes our storyline. You know, it's just the self-producing. I think that is, it's not even knowing about the show. Cause quite frankly, Dorinda, who I think is one of the best housewives that ever lived. Agreed. Um, she, she was a fan of the show. Quite frankly, she did watch the show. And, yeah. but what she did is she didn't self-produce. She went into the show. Like I'm an employee, you're my boss and I have a job to do. So right. she took a very traditional structure to the post where other people think they know better than the show or they want to self-produce or think they know what the fans want. And I think that that tends to backfire. And that's why I say you cannot believe anything good anybody says about you, because if you go in saying, I know the fans want to hear yes. me do this or talk this way or react this way, then you start becoming a caricature of yourself. And again, you can't believe, listen, how much shit did you get over mama? You got it forever, but you were oh, yeah. holla, but you, that's who you are. So if you went in the next season being like, I can't say this, I can't act this way. I can't talk this way. It wouldn't have been real. That's and right. It's so hard to stay real. And that's really the job of the producers is trying to keep you in the reality. You're never handed a script. You're never told what exactly to say. It is all in your own words still, and it needs to be in the reality. And fans see it as all these things, but they are just real. If you're really having lunch, you're really at that party, you're really doing all those things. Yeah, we really are. I mean, I think the reality of it because of the self-producing and um, for me, it just all needs, and I don't watch the other franchises, so I can't really tell, but reading the book, um, what was interesting to me is, is like a lot of the pe a lot of the women that do the show are unhappy. I mean, they're, they really are. They're like, it was horrible. It was to toxic. I had panic attacks every day. I, you know, it is a toxic environment. And so uh, fun, you know, we mentioned fun a lot. Like, does it stop being fun Gosh, it's so funny. I mean, everybody has a really different perspective on it. And ultimately, the thing that I learned is that, again, I keep coming back to the title, Not All Diamonds and Rosé. It is yeah. very hard to be a housewife. First yeah. of all, I would never do it. But you're thinking about putting your life out there for everybody to see, everybody to judge. You're in the midst of filming and you have to be present. It's a grueling schedule. Oh, my gosh. Not many of them know exactly how grueling it is. I mean, you were actually running a legitimate business with multiple employees and doing the show, a lot of these women don't have that same thing to balance. So I know how grueling it is, period. Um, and then once you're done filming, you're kind of in this, I mean, you're still doing confessionals even after yeah. the main season is filmed and then it starts airing and you all of a sudden have to deal with everybody's reaction to it, how everyone feels about it, picking apart. And you know, that changes week to week. They can hate you one week, love you one week. Yeah. Um, that's exhausting. By the time that finishes, you're right back on the train again. It's exhausting. So I do not think it's easy at all. I would never want my life to be up there for the court of public opinion. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of the women, when they leave the show and when they finally get off the train, I think are shell shocked. And yeah. Certainly, um, Tamara Judge talks a lot about this. Vicki Gumbleson talks a lot about this. It's And Bronwyn Windenberg in her life right now has talked a lot about this. These are all Orange County housewives. They've all said that it's like a drug, that it's like, you know, you're, you know that it's maybe bad for you. You know that, you know, it's hard to be in this sort of experience, but you want more of it. And when it ends, you have to get off that addiction. You know, yeah. it's... It, 
challenging to get to the other side. And a lot of them feel bitter about that. A lot of them Mm -hmm. feel hurt by it. Still to this day, we'll relive those picking at those scabs and those wounds are still very fresh, but that's human. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just real. So I don't have any judgment towards any of those people and nor do I judge the system, if you will, the, you know, the, the housewife system, the Bravo system, because that's just, that's the way of the world. This is a job and you're not guaranteed another day. You don't sign a five-year contract. It's, it's season to season. And Everyone leaves the show at some point. You go out in three ways. One, you either choose to leave. Two, they choose not to renew your contract. Or three, the show gets canceled. Those are the three ways you're going to leave. So I tell everyone, have an exit strategy. Be prepared mentally to know this ride can come to an end. It's just like this. This book is an exciting time. Everything is thrilling for me right now. I could be unemployed in three months. It's fine. I will find a way because I'm grounded in my friends and family. You have to stay in that whole thing. That's a hundred percent. You know, you don't, your career does not make the man, you know what I mean? Like, so it's definitely true. Having an enriching life. Kristen Takeman and I were just talking about this the other day on the phone. I love her too. And you know, that's a perfect example of someone who is an outstanding human being who I love dearly, like a sister. I mean, I really love her. Her husband and I have friends for years. If I don't see her for, I just love her. And, you know, she was like too clean and, you know, for the show and all that kind of stuff. And she now looks back at it because she interviewed for the book and it was so funny because for her, we talked about, and I'm going to go back to Dorinda's quote, which you have in the book where she says, it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. And we both talked about the fact how, we were called to do the book and it's almost like the mafia, like players who didn't leave with a lot of bitterness or whatever, loyal to the franchise, to what we did. You get a phone call from someone like you and we're like, sure, we always lean in and we're not paid for it. So nobody got paid for this book besides, I mean, Andy Cohen's the one making the money off of this book. (laughs) So we got, you know, 185 people interviewed in this book. And what happens is it's like being in the mafia, You, you get called and you just, you just do it. So like when you call, me and I had known you a little bit. So like my guard was way down. And of course I wanted to ha- lean in and help you. And, and we and were, I was getting in the bath. bath. You took a <laughs> like, bubble bath. <laughs> tell me what happened. So did you call me and we just started the interview then, or did we schedule the appointment? And I forgot, I can't remember. I know. I, I think, think it we, was a cold call. And I was like, well, we could do it right now, but I'm just getting in the bathtub. And you were like, perfect. I think we were like texting and you said, yeah, give me a ring now. And then, yeah, you were, you were like, do you mind if I take a bubble bath? I was like, I didn't know we had to zoom. (laughs) We're not on zoom. I said, it's just a phone call. And you know, I went into every interview. You're not going to believe this. I didn't write a single question down before interviewing anyone. I had ideas of what sort of topics I wanted to talk about, but I like to explore the conversation where we go, just kind of see what the pathway is. And I'm a naturally curious person. I kind of know, you know, what the Heather beats were, what the main things I wanted to understand, but I wasn't really, you know, I I don't like having all that preparation because you can get stuck in it, right? You can get stuck in it and not floor. And you were an incredible interview. Again, the bubble bath is iconic. I'll never forget that. (laughs) I want to say, even being here, like I have had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit. Uh, You know, my heart, I care about you very much, but there is still always the part of me who's like, I can pinching myself. Like, I cannot believe I'm talking to Heather Thompson right now. I cannot believe like when you text me, I'm like, I cannot believe she's texting me. I cannot believe I'm on the phone. Like it is just all very surreal because I am a fan first. 
and I will always be a fan first. And I want to be able to continue to own that energy because it just still thrills me all this. I love it. That's why you were the perfect person for this book, Dave Quinn, because it came from a place of love and you have a love for the women. You have a love for the network and the franchise. It's time to seek out pleasure in every area of your life, from how you start your mornings to how you wind down at night and everything in between. You deserve to enjoy it all. Dipsia Stories wants you to find joy and confidence in and out of the bedroom. Dipsia Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsia helps bring the stories you want to hear to life anytime, anywhere. Close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe and shame-free way. There are hundreds of stories to choose from, and they release new content every week, so there's always more to explore. And for listeners of the show, Dipsia is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsiastories.com slash in my heart. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash in my heart. And they also have wellness sessions to help you wind down and explore and sleep sessions to help you drift off. dipsiastories.com slash in my heart. Check it out. It's free. Now back to my show. Were you drowning in the behind the scenes stories? Like, I mean, with all the people that you interviewed, how did you choose Dave? Okay. So, I mean, I, (laughs) I wrote very big chapters. I included it all. I mentioned it all as Bethany would have said, I mentioned it all in the beginning. And, uh, and then we had to start cutting back because of course, you know, my first chapter that I delivered about 15 years of orange County history was 500 pages in and of itself. That's it could be its own book. book. Yeah. That's its own book. And I, I begged, I mean, uh, Andy can tell you this, uh, my, my editors can tell you, I begged them to do individual books. I actually asked them to split it into two. I said, let's do like the first five season, the first five franchises, then the second five franchises, because there was so much material. I thought it yeah. could have easily been a two-parter, but um, uh, you know, essentially you just start choosing the stories that are the most salacious, the most fun. And I thought that, you know, fans would want to know. And I, I tweeted out early on a thread and I asked them, what are the burning questions you have? Nobody knew I was writing the book. And I right. kept coming back to that. So I was like, I know they want to all know about Scary Island. I all they, I know they all want to know about Turks and Caicos. I right. know they all want to know about, you know, Bethany joining the show. Were people afraid of her? Were they scared of her? So those were the questions that I made sure all made it in. What were your fears going into this book? Did you have some? Of course. Knowing the grenade you're about to step (laughs) up, potentially. Part of it, but I'll be really honest with you. I... I never felt like I could do something like this because I never felt that I was smart enough. I had a horrible experience as a child, just uh, mercilessly teased for being Mm -hmm. gay. At that point, I didn't even know what what that meant. Um, Mm -hmm. I was overweight. I wasn't athletic. I just felt terrible about myself and my parents um, just didn't understand. They weren't equipped with the toolbox of how to handle that. And I came home and I remember in kindergarten saying, these kids are making fun of me. They're calling me gay. And my parents were like, whatever you are doing, stop doing that. 
you know, because that's how they thought would fix it. Instead of saying what many parents should be saying to kids of like, we love you and, you know, don't worry about them, be yourself. So I built a shell around myself and I was, I barely talked to anybody. I was miserable. I was flunking out of school. I had terrible grades. Years later, I would learn that I have pretty serious dyslexia. So mm-hmm. sometimes I struggle a lot with reading and writing. And I just thought I was not smart enough to do this. So that inner saboteur was on my shoulder every night during the, you know, we started writing this and interviewing June, 2020 throughout that summer, the height of the coronavirus pandemic yeah. loss happening all around us, friends of mine dying. And I was just sitting here being like, you're, you're an idiot. You're not going to do this. You're never going to get through this. I mean, I have post-it notes. I'm pulling this off my wall that literally say you're okay Oh, good to day. remind myself that like, uh, and it's a page out of Candace Dillard's book from, uh, uh, from one of the housewives of Potomac showed me that. And it's like, I just needed to remind myself I could do it. So that was my biggest fear is that I, mm, I didn't think I could physically, yeah, I didn't think that I could physically do it. Now, when I got through that, and I remember at a certain point, my editor was like, I can't be your psychologist. Like you gotta get, <laughs> you gotta get out of your fucking head. Excuse my language. No, uh, please. So that was part of it, but I never worried about disappointing anybody because I, I always carry my integrity so hard. I, I mm-hmm. knew that I was going to make sure that everything in there was accurate and truthful yep. to the words and the spirit of what people were saying that didn't nervous, make me nervous. Now, some people have been upset <laughs> about what other people have said. Yes. Just, I can't stop that. But I think the fun of it is that you read the book and you're able to say, okay, there's somebody I trust more than others. Right. And like, there's somebody who I think is coming out a little bit more clearer here. And it's really every viewer is going to have that perspective in the same way they do when they watch the show. That was my favorite part about the book. Exactly. And with the story that you just, is that you can really see kind of the true colors, so to speak, you know, through a third party storyteller. And with what you just told me about your true colors and your fears, I hold this book that much more near and dear to me because of you and because of all that you have been through. And so you are a pillar of inspiration for people out there that are listening that don't think they're good enough. I was saying this last night, Heather, like, sorry, I'm getting really emotional. This was a time of such loss for me. I just, I I dealt with a lot of loss during the coronavirus pandemic and some of it I've shared and others I haven't. And Mm -hmm. there was just like a lot of really difficult things that happened. And through the process of writing this book. And now today I look back at it and I don't feel, I'm not looking at what I've lost. I'm looking at what I've gained. I'm not looking mm-hmm. at, you know, the struggle. I'm, I'm thinking about the strength. I'm thinking about so many different things. I'm not thinking about the failures. I'm thinking about the success. And like, it really is just, I, I want everyone to know that anything you go through in life, you can get to the other side of it. You just have to stay. You know, I say this, I'm nine years sober in the program every day, one day at a time. You just have to keep pushing forward. That's right. Stay the course. My friend, Michael Tompkins on my podcast taught me this. He said, this is your future. This is your past. This is what you focus on the here and now. Yes. The present right now. This is the present. So I'm looking at you through my right now, kid. (laughs) You're the best. Everyone's in the book, whether you talk to me or not. Well, you are a perfect example of going after what you want, even when you don't believe in yourself to believe in yourself. And knowing that as bad as it gets and you guys, us as housewives and the things that, you know, we've seen on these programs with a lot of these different cities and franchises and families and people and all that kind of stuff. 
as bad as it gets, it's also a perfect example too, is everybody always does come out on some sort of other side. You know, Taylor Armstrong's a perfect example. Look at Yolanda Hadid. You know, she said it took her falling in love with her boyfriend, Joe, moving over here to my coast, living on a farm to really heal from the toxicity and the things like that. And if you just look at that in your own life, that you can remove yourself. You cannot take it so seriously. You cannot worry what people say about you, bad or good, and know who you are in your heart, that you're always going to be okay. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, I really learned that from not only going through all these interviews, but from watching everyone over the years. And Heather, you taught me so much, whether you know it or not, just about staying strong, holding your head up high, the way you handled, I mean, we didn't talk about this in the book because it hadn't happened yet, but yeah. the way you navigated through, you know, your appearance on the show last season and, and some of the struggles you dealt with there was so admirable. You know, I was thinking to myself the other day about, uh, this process and trying to really reflect on it. And again, I've opened up about some of the struggles along the way, but I was thinking about the fact that there have been a lot of people who supported me and I've loved them, but there have been a lot of people who haven't and who've mm -hmm. abandoned me in my life and who've walked away. And thank God for that. Thank them. Thank them for removing themselves from my life and not having to deal with that toxicity. And, and I wish them well, and I'm glad that I don't have the burden of it. So we often think of when negative things happen to us, that they're happening to us and that we have to carry the guilt of those and work their way through them. They're happening for us right. and we can learn so much. So Sometimes leaving the show is a gift and it's happening for you. And sometimes these struggles are a gift. They happen for you so that you can learn and do different things. That was a big lesson looking back at it all. That's a beautiful lesson. And I'm so happy you shared it with us. I'm glad you're finding your freedoms, you know, <laughs> within yourself and your own struggles and helping people to paint a picture of even when it's not all diamonds and rosé, you know, there's always tomorrow. And the sun will always come out, you know, one day it's going to show up, but even when you don't see it, it's still there. So yes, how do you find is. your freedoms outside writing and, you know, the entertainment world of reality television? What is, what makes David happy? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm such a, uh, a, somebody who's very oriented in humans. I want to be around people, talk to people. I want to care about them, check in on them. That's my main focus. I, I really am a big empath and I try to absorb all of the, you know, struggles that my friends are going through and help them in any ways I can. I love that sort of stuff. As far as like passions, I mean, I'm really <laughs> seriously passionate about entertainment and about TV. I love observing it and, and being a part of it and leading conversations. I built a huge community on Clubhouse of people so that they can have conversations about Bravo yeah. in ways that are more elevated because I was going into some clubhouse rooms and people were saying to me, Oh, they, these women make a million dollars an episode. And I was like, y'all don't know anything about the housewives. So I built this club called club Bravo and we do rooms all the time to kind of pull ourselves back and think smarter about these, you know, people are so divisive and let's try and find common grounds more. So that's been a big passion thing. And you know, I'm a big romantic at heart, so I'm just hopeful one day to kind of be able to find my person and to start that next chapter. I'm really looking forward to it one day. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. You're a romantic and you're not hopeless. You're hopeful. And that's the best part about it. Well, so you guys listen to Dave. Don't take too much of the hype. Definitely don't take the hate. Just keep it moving because we're all going to be all right. We just have to focus on the here and now. Don't take ourselves too seriously. Know that our straight knees are all for a reason. They're meant to help us grow and evolve. I thank you so much for coming on my show. I'm super proud of you. I know you had a big party last night. I'm so sorry I couldn't be there, but everyone was celebrating. And I know Dorinda had her Blue Manor bourbon there. And nice. I was there in spirit. And I hope to see you soon. Well, hopefully we'll be, we'll be together again soon. Raising a glass. Wait. I cannot wait. And thank you so much for all of your love and support and for your participation. I really believe that the success of this book is just as much yours. And I want you to feel it just as much as I do, because, you know, you are such an important part of this legacy. And I'm so grateful. And I feel that about anyone, whether you're on the show for 14 years or 14 minutes, everyone has a, a role to play and they're all integral in the success. Uh, well, it's your book and I support it. And I'm happy to make Andy Cohen richer. <laughs> so this is Heather Thompson. I'm your host. This is in my heart. Please tune in every week for a new episode Tuesday. David Quinn, for those people who don't know where to find you, where can they find Dave Quinn and where can they find not all diamonds and rosé? Well, the book is available wherever books are sold. So you can find that anywhere. And I'm available on social media. My handle's name is Nine Daves, N I N E D A V E S, because I'm always in nine different places at all times. <laughs> so I love that. I love, I love it. it. It's a great book. Get it in you. If you're a housewife fan, you can't miss this one. Thank you so much, honey. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Heather. Thank you so much to my guest, Dave Quinn. This is In My Heart, and I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along, and don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcasts. And join us next week for Carol Radziwell. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.